Hey everyone, today's guest is Tika Sumter. You know her from Mixish, Gossip Girl, Ride Along, Ride Along 2, and also my movie, What's Your Number? Spend just a short time with Tika and you'll walk away in a great mood believing you can do just about anything. Later, I'm joined by psychotherapist and author Lori Gottlieb. Lori writes the Atlantic's Dear Therapist advice column and co-hosts the Dear Therapist podcast. She frequently appears as an expert on mental health topics on the Today Show, Good Morning America, CNN, the BBC, and NPR. If you're looking for advice from Lori or one of our other experts, please send your questions to unqualified.com. Now here's Tika. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Unqualified with your host, Anna Ferris. Okay, I swore to myself, I'm not going to start off by saying, damn, Tika, you look beautiful, but fuck you do. (laughs) Thanks, mama. Yeah. Wait, I have to tell you, though. Yeah. uh, Do you remember doing What's Your Number? Yes. Okay, so you have always been so nice, even to the people who were number two, number three, number four, number five on the call sheet, which for listeners, if you don't know what that means, like number one means like you're the top actor on the show. Number two is just as important, but you never made me feel like (sighs) unwanted. You were just so welcoming, even though you had so much on your plate. Tika, that is such a nice compliment because I was just telling Michael, my fiance, I worry that Tika remembers what's your number because I felt like having done House Bunny and working with a lot of ladies and we never get to work with each other. (laughs) But I was so honored that you and our other ladies were a part of this project. And I'm not saying that as like, this is like one of my flaws is being like overly sentimental. I don't think that's a flaw, Anna. I think that's such a a valuable trait of yours, seriously. And that was the thing that I was worried about. (laughs) That's what I was telling Michael. I was like, I couldn't gauge if everybody felt supported in the way that I wanted them to. Listen, I wasn't there very long, but like from what I saw and the way I felt, like Maya Angelou says, you remember how people treat you. And I just have the utmost respect for you. You were so completely nice and genuine and you had a lot to do. You were in every scene, you know? And so I really wanted to say that to you because I never got to talk to you after that. Tika, that really means a lot to me because I think that I was like, okay, I have 12 (laughs) lines and I- Imagine. I have to get my hair on. Yeah. And like, I'm not sure I fit into that red dress anymore. And I hope the ladies are happy because I'm so glad that, no. you know, you know what I mean? You're a producer, like, you know that shit. I know. And I just think if you're nice to people in general, like, it's consistent where people are like, no, she's a cool person. She's super nice. That's who you are. Tika, truly. Well, thank you. And thank you for doing that today. Of course. Of course. And I truly, I was like, don't tell her she looks beautiful. Don't do it. Don't do it. <laughs> I love it. I like the idea of changing dialogue between women where it's like, oh, we're so focused on how we look and we're doing a podcast. And I did put on (laughs) mascara for you, although not very well. It looks great. Here's the thing, though. I'll take all the compliments. I'll take it because I feel like women can do more than one thing at the same time. We can walk and chew gum. So not only can you be beautiful, but you can be smart and hold a conversation. Right. So I'll take it. And I just turned 40. So. Fuck yeah. (laughs) I was thinking also, as you talk a lot about on your podcast about raising your daughter. So my son's about to turn eight and he's at this phase where he'll snuggle with me at night, like when he's sleepy or if he's like, you know, skinned his knee or something like that. But I'm so used to just like touching his head or like putting socks on him or and he'll kick me or he'll like (laughs) swat at me. (laughs) So I tried to explain to him, I'm used to touching you your whole life. I'm used to having to do all of these things. So in order to hurry things along, when we have to go to the store and I need you to put your shoes and socks on and get your coat on, I'm used to manhandling you. Yeah. And of course, that absorbed very deeply within him. He's like, don't touch me anymore. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) I think your daughter must be at that age where it's like, oh, she still needs a lot of the physical contact all the time, but she is getting into that place where she'll start to 
do those, like, no, I need my own physical independence. The only way now I know how to do that is to, like, jerk my foot in your general direction. <laughs> right, right, right. No, my daughter is definitely at that phase where I overly kiss her and I hug on her. I just want her to know she's so loved. I feel like if you fill your kid up at home, I mean, eventually she'll go searching somewhere else for something else that she needs. But I feel like at least let me fill her tank up. But my daughter is seriously like, mom, that's enough. I keep kissing her and she's like, no more, no more kisses. You don't get any more kisses. And I'm like, but Ella, I love you. She's like, okay, let me watch Frozen, please. (laughs) You know? Yes. And and then like trying to put on a sock or something. I don't know. The kicking thing, like I want to be like, dude, don't you kick me. Yeah. And the other day I tried to explain to him, like, listen, we have to work this out. You know, I, I'm used to touching you and changing your diaper. Believe it or right. not, you used to wear a diaper. It's like, mom. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't do it. I mean, I think it's your right to be like, dude, put the iPad down. Pay attention right now for two seconds. Like, Ella is literally, it's almost like butterflies and be like, she just does not, you know, she's still three and a half and she's like not moving where I need to, I'm like, we need to go. So you can still like play tricks with her. You can be like, Hey, oh, yeah. uh, Ella, look over here. Look at this. Look at, Oh my gosh. I think there's a butterfly or whatever. Oh, no, and- I'm like the monsters come. She likes to be scared. She loves being, oh, scared. she likes oh. monster. She likes that voice. Tika, do you think this is how we have to like maneuver the rest of our lives playing games? <laughs> Tika, are you in LA? I am in LA. When I was working on, what's your number? I think I still lived in New York. I moved to LA like four years ago and I love California. I just love. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah. You are an incredibly positive person, I think, according to your bio, but. (laughs) 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 But Tika, can you like think of three things that annoy you about Los Angeles? Yeah, I think one of the things is like the people who aren't from California who act like they're the bee's knees, like they give California a bad name. I feel like people who are actually from here are always the sweetest, most down to earth people, but it's always people who are coming here who feel like they have to be something else. And so everybody kind of carries this You know, like Jesse Jackson says, you are somebody, yes, but you don't have to act like a pretentious butthole. You know what I mean? (laughs) Uh, The second thing, oh my gosh, when you're eating out and everybody looks at the door every time it opens. Oh, yes. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're like, is Brad Pitt coming? Is that on affairs? (laughs) You're so sweet. That's annoying. And then third thing is... Uh, I don't have a third thing, but right now, those are the top two that are probably the most annoying. When I first moved to Los Angeles from Washington State, I couldn't believe how just geographically unattractive it was. Mm -hmm. And I know you come from New York, and like when you arrive in New York, you're like, what is this glory? And when you arrive in LA, you're like, where were the city engineers? Was there no planning (laughs) department? Because this is like thousands of miles of grotesqueness as you're like flying over smog or whatever. But I really loved Baja Fresh. I really loved like this general sense of optimism that I totally mistrusted. Yes. I, I was like, well, what do you mean things are great? Like, so you started a new routine doing what? And you seem like it's all going well for you. Uh, <laughs> and you're smiling? <laughs> yeah. And you just uh, sold your script. Okay. But uh, you're sure you should be this happy because what if it never gets made? <laughs> oh, and everybody's always at a meeting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. There's always a meeting. We're talking a lot. I know. Yeah. When I first came out here, it was just like, wow, there's a lot of space. I was born in Queens, raised in Long Island. And when they say, oh, the city, to me, it's not really a city because I lived in like one of the biggest cities. So I don't know. I really enjoyed the space. I enjoy being in my car. (laughs) Yes. Like it's sort of enforced solitude in a way. Yes. It's like- all right, well, yeah, I have to drive for 30 minutes. <laughs> Solitude, man, is so real. And then also there are so many great podcasts now that you can listen to. And, you know, I'm the girl who goes to the movies alone. I've always been that girl. I love it. I love peace. I don't know. I love being with myself. And you're clearly an amazing mom, but what's your, like, guilty pleasure? <laughs> like, what do you do? What's your equivalent to me, like, 
drying my hair for a weirdly long, long time. time. Yeah. So my meetings are amazing because I'm like, okay, get- <laughs> mom has to be in this room for a while. Yeah. She's like, who are you talking to? I'm like, I'm in a meeting. Yeah. I'm in a meeting. I'm in a meeting, yeah. honey. I have to work from home now. This is what mommy does. Okay. Yes. And then yeah. you're just like, mom, hi, how are you? I'm going crazy. <laughs> <laughs> the meetings go on for a little longer than they're actually over. But in my mind, I'm like, no, this is still a meeting. Like I'm right, here, right. you know, I do take extra long showers for sure. And baths. This is going to be the longest shower I've ever taken. Oh my God. And I sit down. <laughs> <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> okay. Tika, because your negative things were so great about LA. Do you mind doing three positive things? Yes. Because people are going to be like, bitch, leave L.A. (laughs) What I love about L.A. is it's sunshine. I love, for the most part, like, there's some really good people I met out here. And I love, well, I used to love all the outdoor spots that you can just, like, chill at. I don't know. I just love that you can take a meeting, like, at a coffee shop. You know, you don't have to necessarily be in an office. Yeah. And I love, oh, my God. The beauty. I didn't realize like California doesn't even look like California. Like I'm like, this is California. Isn't it so glorious? It's glorious. Yeah. It feels like a movie. Yeah. That is the beauty of California. There was that old cliche like surfing in the morning and skiing in the afternoon or whatever, which came to sort of exemplify this idea of ridiculous optimism. But Mm -hmm. then when you kind of see, oh, yeah, I don't know how to surf. The ocean scares me. But skiing in the afternoon, maybe. Or just hiking. Exactly. The beauty of the light and the opportunity. Yes. Which is also in our industry, too. I do love Los Angeles for the idea that I didn't know anybody and somebody gave me an audition so I could not be a waitress because I was a really bad one. (laughs) I was a really good waitress. You were? Yeah, I liked it because I felt like you had to be a chameleon when you waited tables, you know, like you'd come into contact with like a girl who's with her boyfriend and gets a little like, I don't know if it was insecure or whatever it is of feeling like, oh God, here's a girl who's waiting my table looking at you. And it's like an opportunity to like, let her see you and like you connect with her like, girl, I think you're going to love this. She's like, really? And I'm like, yes. And I'm like, oh, your dress. You know, and she just like let her guard down. Right, right. And I feel like it helped me even in rooms, whether it was directors or casting directors or even now just producing stuff. Like, I feel like I can win anybody over. You tell me that this is not going to happen. It's going to happen. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So I feel like waitressing really helped me. Well, because you're absorbing kind of very mundane, boring material. Yeah. Or no one to leave people alone. You know what I mean? No one to stop. Right. You know, no one to like, okay, he doesn't need to be checked on anymore. He's over it. You know, those people who keep checking on you like every two seconds, you're like, girl, guy, please stop. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I got totally. It. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Tika, let's get to some life questions if you don't mind. I don't mind. Okay. Uh, What is your favorite ice cream flavor? Cookie dough ice cream by Ben & Jerry. All right. What would you eat for your last meal? Steak seared like crispy on the outside, medium with a baked potato fully loaded and broccoli with some pecorino cheese on it. And I'm good. And maybe a glass of wine. No, like pasta? Pasta. I don't know, like a macaroni and cheese, like high end or something. I'm just imagining your steak plate here. No, I want steak. I love that you were like, what? <laughs> you said this is my last meal. I mean, my mom's mac and cheese is amazing, but that's like one of my favorite meals is like steak, a baked potato, and broccoli. You're right. I overanalyze. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, you mean it's not mac and cheese? Yeah. Like, Why don't you want to conform to what I want? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> Um, what was your favorite toy as a child? My favorite toy? 
It's so crazy. I remember bits about my childhood, which I'm like, should I talk about this in therapy? You know what? I had to play outside a lot with my friends. Like, that's what we did. We like climbed trees. We played house. I mean, it was more like interactive. We played double dutch. You know. Yeah, I know double dutch. Yeah. You should see me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to pull a thread a little bit. When you were playing house with oh, the neighborhood God. kids, what was your role? <laughs> Who was I? Uh, can I make a prediction? Yes. <laughs> okay. Here's my prediction. At the time, you weren't the tallest kid that was playing with you, but you were definitely the bossiest, and you were the older sister who got to go out on dates. Yeah, I definitely went on dates. <laughs> <laughs> and you'd be gone for like five seconds behind the bush. Yes. And then you'd come back and be like, yeah, yeah. I don't even know if I like him, but he's... <laughs> yeah, that was me. <laughs> My mom's going to hear this and be like, wait, you were behind what bush? <laughs> and with who? <laughs> Yep. I think I was always kind of like the mom. And then like I had (laughs) this guy who's always the dad, you know? Oh, I never got to play with boys like that. Oh, see, I played with, it was one boy there. (laughs) So you're the mom and he's the dad? Yeah. (laughs) That's as far as we're going to go. Tika's mommy. (laughs) Don't worry. Don't worry. Everything's okay. Going behind the bush for five seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay so what was your first boss like oh okay I worked at a movie theater he was great because I was a really good employee it's crazy because when you're raised by a single mom at first and then I had my stepdad come on like when I was 10 I saw my mom struggle so much and then it went from struggling to like she got a raise and like moved up in her job and so then life changed and then she got remarried and then we moved to the burbs And so seeing my mom struggle, like made me a really hard worker and grateful for every opportunity because I always knew like, this is not where I'm staying. So when I was like popping popcorn in the back, I was the concession girl. I was always like, do you want a large for a quarter more? You know, like I always upsold my drawer, my till was always the right amount of cash. And so I feel like I'm a good employee. Like I worked at Honey Baked Ham as well. I sold a lot of hams during seasonal (laughs) No, Dika, can I tell you why you are not a good employee? I can see it so clearly. (laughs) Why? Because if you're like a mid-level manager (laughs) and you're like, I'm pretty content with my life and let's hire Dika. Yeah, oh God, yeah, well, all right, sales are up. All right, people seem to like her. That's nice. Yeah, those people. What the fuck, Dika is my boss? (laughs) You're just like sneaking up from behind. Yeah, (laughs) But as we should. No, here's the thing. I know I never wanted to be a manager there. I'm like, no, I'm here to just get my cash and go. Like, I'm, right. I'm going on the LIRR to New York to take an acting class. I was like, I don't want your job. Don't worry. I was so focused on me and, like, what I wanted to do. That would have turned the boat left. Oh, Tika, you took my visualization completely incorrectly. I was like, okay, so if I'm like a production company, let's say I had a hundred billion dollars and I wanted to offer you two and you come work for me or whatever. Like at some point, eventually I would like to think I would be smart enough to recognize that you were taking over. <laughs> like, Aww. no, no, no. Like in the <laughs> best of ways. I love that. Okay. Who has influenced your career the most? It depends at what point in my life. Okay, can I give you an age? Let's say like 15 to 17. Oh my God. It's like a weird mixture of like, I was a girl who was like a latchkey kid, but also had to play outside, but also watched Janet Jackson Rhythm Nation VHS cassette. Whatever she's doing, I want to do. I don't know what that is. I don't know how to get there. I'm a girl from Queens by way of Long Island. So... That and then like my mom, to be honest. And I know that's like the answer that probably everybody gives. But look, she didn't understand this business at all. She's like, I don't know what you're doing, but you need a 401k and you need a real nine to five and you need to work and you need consistent money and all that stuff. But what she did teach me is like to never give up on myself because she was doing it for so long by herself and like raising us five kids. And she just continued She marched on, not only for us, but for her, you know, and I just feel like if my mom did it with way less resources than I have in life, I owe it to myself to do it big for whatever I want to do. Tika, what age order are you? 
I have two older sisters, and then I have an older brother, and then comes me, and then I have a younger brother who's in his early 30s, and then I have another little brother. So I'm like in the middle. I don't know too many like in the middles, but I know a lot of youngest like I am. No, the middles always hold up the weight of the world. Yeah. On both ends. I believe that both my parents are middles. Yeah. Do you have any siblings? I have an older brother. It's just you two. Yeah. And I love him, love him ferociously. But man, he was a big kid. We had a contentious childhood. Right. But he's been on the podcast. We've talked about it. Okay. <laughs> you yeah, don't I need get- to hear all the things. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. What is the best or worst advice you've ever been given? The best advice was probably from my mom. I remember coming out of this acting class. And this is while I was already like a working actor, but somebody was like, oh, maybe you should go take this acting class. Everybody goes and takes it and named all these artists and stuff. And I was like, I have the job I'm in. I'm doing the work. I don't know what you want me to do to elevate, you know, so I was told to go take this class. And it's one of those classes that like break you down and then build you up. Oh, boy. Yeah. It makes you feel like you're not a good actor at all. And so I walked out of the class and I called my mom and I go, am I that bad? Like, should I be doing this? Like, should I be acting? And she goes, first of all, you know, keep the meat and throw out the bones, meaning take the good things out of it, but like leave the stuff you just don't need. Like you, you know what I mean? Like who cares? Like it doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't contribute to you and stop listening to everybody. I love that. The idea of stop listening to everybody. I mean, I guess I don't know if there's a philosophy behind like young people should get prepared for a ton of rejection, which, yeah, I sort of believe in that. But at the same time, how are you supposed to gauge at all if you're good? Because I went through like a similar deal. It feels like you have to get used to the idea of rejection. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you got to somehow have some kind of confidence to know until you start booking jobs, you don't know. But then you also realize like sometimes booking a job doesn't mean you're good. For anybody, like there are a ton of people who have booked a lot of jobs and who are super famous. And I'm like, I don't know how and I don't know where. Congrats, because you did it. Uh huh. (laughs) Okay, what is your favorite rainy day movie? Something I can watch over and over again, Sound of Music. That's a good one. And for Ella, is she like all over it? She hasn't seen it yet she's heard it on my uh like spotify or whatever but like i always play do re mi fa so let's do and then i act like you know <laughs> i'm the lead you're maria i'm maria <laughs> <laughs> ella likes when i act out things and so it's fun jack says he doesn't now but i know that he does <laughs> <laughs> well he's eight he's like no stop when he's watching a cartoon, I'll hear some of the voiceover actors, and I'm like, "Hey, hey, I can, I can do that." Like, wait, wait pause it, pause it, pause it. I, I, I can say that line better. I know I can. I know I can. God, mom. <laughs> We've had a dance party, and I put on Footloose. I thought I was in that movie from the original. I was like, everybody cut. I was just dancing. I was doing all the dances. <laughs> Ella was like. Mom, that was good. <laughs> Isn't there a lot of like foot kicking? Like, was that the style? There's a lot of foot kicking. There's a lot of putting your dress up. <laughs> like jerking, right? It's mostly like below the knees. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, it's like raising your dress a little bit. I don't know. Using props. <laughs> yeah. I just was I acting like a crazy person. Ella loved it. Okay. What is a trait you dislike in others? There's a few. People who are pretentious and unkind and only nice to people who seemingly only matters in that space. I love that because, well, it's so common in our industry. Oh, my God. How do you trust somebody who's like, oh, my God, that was great. That was great. That was great. But then (laughs) in my experience, if they've said, you know what, that wasn't so great. I'm like, I don't want to work with you anymore. (laughs) Goodbye. (laughs) (laughs) Like we cultivate the duplicity. I guess. It's two different types of things. Like, I think we're talking about two things. Like, if you're talking about, like, a director who's not telling you the truth about what you're doing, then that's not a good director because you're going to look crazy. So, um, hopefully, <laughs> they're telling you that. Let's retake that. And, and there have been times where directors have said, how about we try it this way? And I'm like, oh, great. You know, let's let's do that if it makes sense. Sure. I don't think that's unkind, but I don't like when... This happens in the industry where you're at a party or you know somebody or you see somebody and they're not kind or you're not important enough 
to be who they are around you or to be nice. You're so right. I can't stand when people are just not kind to people. Like, it doesn't take anything to be kind, you know? Even if you're tired, it's like, hey, nice to see you, whatever. It doesn't have to be a long conversation. Like I was telling you, like, even in What's Your Number, you know, there were certain people who were just not nice. And you can tell who they were nice to and who they weren't nice to. You know what I mean? And it was just like, oh, okay, I see you. But it's always interesting when the thing they thought was going to do whatever for their careers doesn't happen. But the thing is, like, you just have to be kind regardless of where your career is. Completely. Okay, what is a trait you dislike in yourself? Ooh, that's a good one. I think sometimes questioning my instinct, you know, like questioning what my gut, like, was this the right thing to do? Even if it's for a moment or can I do it? Can I push this forward? Just questioning myself, I think, or allowing other people's questions to make me I think it's good that people question you because it makes you analyze and really figure out why you want to do something. But when they question me to the point where they make me feel like I can't do it, and then I question my first reaction of, oh, I thought I could, them making me question myself and then me actually being like, shit, maybe I can't do it. Yeah. Giving people my power, really. I wish I could trust my instinct all the time. I know. But then I might be a real fucking asshole. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I feel like your gut is usually right most of the time. I think you're right. Like 99.9% of the time. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Yeah. Okay. To whom would you most like to apologize and why? Oh, oh my God. In my adult years? I don't know. I'd like to apologize to everybody I've ever slighted. (laughs) And if I did it, not if they felt that way. Tika, I so understand because I hate the idea that somebody would have had a very minor interaction, but they recognized me and it became something much larger in their head without my intention at all. Right. I would hate that their perception of me or if they had liked me before, maybe they wouldn't, you know. But I also think that it's really an exhausting way to live too. I don't know if you feel that way. Oh my God. Walking around with that? Yeah, that's exhausting. I always try to say I think the best about people. Like trying not to go straight to they did this to me on purpose or, you know, They treated me like that on purpose. Like I do try to say, well, you know, let me think the best of this person rather than go straight to the negative part. Right. But that's so hard. Like I remember having minor interactions with celebrities and any little thing, what they ordered, what they were doing with their, like every single thing was so seared into my brain. Oh, so you took it all to heart. Well, just the idea that if I inadvertently like didn't hold the door open for, you know, the old man, the cane, (laughs) and I was like, whack, (laughs) you know, he might be like, shit, that bitch. I don't like her anymore. I'm going to write about that on Facebook. I know. Now everybody's writing about their, like, celebrity interactions. It's like, Jesus. He wasn't even that hurt, though. Guys, his cane wasn't even real. Yeah. (laughs) He's like, oh. And I could tell he was, like, moving faster. Like, towards me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, even just people in our industry. And, you know, listen, even... Me talking about people being unkind. Like, I don't know what people were going through at that moment, you know? So I just got to think the best. I completely agree. Right. 
Okay, so if you could live anywhere in the world for a year, what oh, would it be? Paris. My dream is to buy, uh, I don't even know how you say this, Pierre de Thier or something, Would it? I feel like that's the sexy place where people go to have affairs. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like I want to go there, learn French for a year, and live in Paris. Like, go everywhere. Just travel around oh France. Oh, God, that sounds amazing. I know. And eat a lot of food. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What haven't you taken the time to learn about? I haven't gotten the time to learn about my family history, just my ancestry. Like I really keep saying, I'm going to do it. I'm going to make a family tree. I want to learn more about my Southern roots. I'm going to learn more about my great, great grandmother. I just have not taken the time to get to know my ancestry yet. Completely. What feels familiar? Uh, My mother. (laughs) My mother feels familiar, like her, just her. That's a beautiful answer. When do you feel generous? When I see that there's a need and I feel like, why isn't anybody fulfilling it? Like the idea of being proactive, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So wait, Tika, what does your perfect day look like? Oh, man. My perfect day is waking up on a beach. (laughs) What time? I want the whole thing. Okay, so waking up in um, a room facing the beach. Great. I'm facing the water. I hear the ocean. (sighs) The wind, like the ocean air is like coming in. I wake up. I order like pancakes and bacon, maybe some fruit, some orange juice. Syrup? Yes, syrup. But like the artificial kind? I don't mean to be judgmental. I'm just, yes. Okay. (laughs) Tika, we're done. I'm no. sorry. Well, the, you know the kind that they get, like the one you buy from Whole Foods, whatever that one is. Not like the corn syrup with additives. You go to the tree. I go to the trees. Take my little hammer. But you know, that corn syrup stuff, I grew up on that and that was yummy. But then I got more um, expansive in my, my, I don't know, just wanting to be more healthy. You're right though. It's that it comes down to what you grew up with. It's true, man. What's accessible? Yes. Like I grew up with... Best foods mayonnaise. And I am such a loyalist. (laughs) See, I grew up with Hellman's. And when I came out here, I'm like, what is this? (laughs) (laughs) And then waking up and then maybe like doing a prayer and a meditation and walking. I have this new thing about walking. And so I walk every day and listen to a podcast and read a book, sitting on the beach, eat lunch. I like to chill. Like... When I go on vacation, my fiance loves to like do things. He's adventurous and he's like, let's go. I'll plan everything. And I'm like, dude, all I want to do is sit right here and do nothing and read a book. But Tika, is that because you have a three and a half year old or have you always been that way? Yes. It's because I have a three and a half year old. And also I'm always literally in a meeting pitching something. My brain is always on. But before pre all this, I like hiked through Nepal. I went to Sweden for three days just because my friends were like, let's go. So then how has this experience been for you? Like, have you been able to slow down your brain or how do you feel? No. (laughs) No. So has it been very frustrating then in like, where do I focus my energy when we're confined? It hasn't been frustrating because I feel like work has given me an outlet to like have some sort of structure and doing something, you know, and like actually executing some things, which has been great. What the great balance is like, I am never home this much. So when it first started, I was like, you're staying home again. You're here like more. And then it became like normal. So it's like both. I can do both. It's like, there's no driving time. There's no commuting. So it's like that cuts out a lot of time. You know, once I'm done with all this stuff, I go see my child and we're spending time together. Now it's still exhausting because then I have to like cut myself in many pieces of like, okay, just finished work all day. Now I got to go and give to my daughter. And then after she goes to bed, you know, my fiance wants to like be next to me and talk. And I'm like, I don't want to talk anymore. And unfortunately he gets like the end of the stick where it's just like, I'm tired. Like the piece with you, is just like not talking is amazing. You know, and I had to kind of train myself also to, he has to be given something like he needs nurturing too. And he needs love and he needs to speak and you know, all those things. So it's just trying to balance it all. You know, I don't know. 
how much is balanced, but yeah, trying to figure it all out. I'm so with you and I haven't, and I don't know (laughs) if I will. I don't either. I don't know (sighs) if it's going to be balanced ever. Yeah. For me, it's felt like almost getting off of the hamster wheel. Mm. I go through days where it's like, well, what's it all for? Like Mm. we're working on these various projects that I'm really excited about sometimes. And then I'll go through this like cliff of, I'm just like diving down. Like, well, what if this never ends? Can we live? Right. And so it feels like, is there pointlessness to ambition right now? Oh. So I go through those dark things, but then I'm also like, this is kind of, an amazing time. My family so far is safe. Yeah. We are fortunate enough to have resource. Yeah. I spent more time with people that, you know, with four people than ever that I really (laughs) fucking love. (laughs) Yeah. I, I do believe that however we come out of this, that I'll look back and be like, what a concentrated, interesting time. And I'm so glad that. Oh my God. I was able to spend more time With your family. And attempting to rewire myself a little bit, you know? Right. I'm like, when are we going to ever have the time to go on road trips like this? Like my family, me, myself, Nick, and Ella went on a great hike the other day. And we were just like, when does this get to happen? So like, let's try to enjoy it. Thank God we've been safe and we have resources and all that stuff. But like, we've just been taking advantage of like things that we don't get to do ever. Like this is experience. Yeah. And I sense in myself that it's starting to really reframe my own sense of mm-hmm. how I consume. Like, do I need that bag? I don't know if I need it like I used to. Mm. And it feels really liberating in a way. I love that. Just even like doing stuff around the house that you've wanted to do, you know? Completely. Crafty stuff. Crafty stuff and like fixing things. I'm so bad at all of them, but somehow I'm still kind of doing them. So I, wait. Nick has been doing like outside and putting rocks in the garden, like just like going to Lowe's and grabbing plants and just kind of beautifying things and I don't know. It's just been really, really cool to like touch up things. There's like something like the nesting idea, you know, we now have to like protect our space and yes, let's see if we can grow a fruit tree Yeah, (laughs) in case we need fruit in the future. Do we need lemons? (laughs) Like all of them? Sure. <laughs> it's got to be lemonade. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But anyway, for me, it's been a very concentrated time of some degrees of a lot of degrees of childishness, a ton of anxiety, and then peacefulness. Yes. Which is very confusing to my <sighs> hamster wheel that's like, what, like, what happened? Where's the so wheel? So confusing. Because there's a piece of nesting. Like, there is. There's a piece of, oh, like, completely. oh, I don't have to get up and go. I literally thought the other day, whoa, I don't have to, like, read the script and, like, learn these lines and have any anxiety in my belly about whatever is going to go wrong or not or go great, whatever. It's just, like, waking up to just being in your home. It's the weirdest thing. It's so odd. (laughs) It's been very hard, I think, for people to describe. It's like, this is weird. This is crazy. It's not specific enough to what I think we're all going through. Yep, I agree. Tika, did you go to your senior prom? I did. And how was that experience on a 4.0 grade scale? It was not even a one. Mm. Is it a negative? It was a negative one. Like, my hair didn't turn out the way I wanted it to be. Like, my dress just didn't fit how I wanted it to be. I went with a friend of mine, like, my guy friend. My junior prom was actually probably better than my senior prom. The senior prom just didn't do it for me. It just wasn't what I thought it was going to be. The standards that I had for myself, I just didn't live up to. (laughs) That's an incredible thing to say. No, it's true. Most of the times it's not. You know, it's like having sex for the first time. It's like... You know, everybody said, oh, it's this. And then you're like, it's this? Oh. <laughs> Shrug. Yeah. <laughs> Your experience was anything like mine. It was <laughs> magical. It was like. It was a magic carpet ride. <laughs> it was like a cross between Space Mountain and <laughs> the haunted house at Disneyland. But like the fun one, you know. Yeah. God. Okay. Do you have a favorite joke? Okay. What color is a burp? Purple. 
You know what I want you to do? What? I want you to tell her that joke at every important event of her life. <laughs> I'll film it every time. Remember, you were three and a half years old. And you told me this joke, and I knew that you were something. <laughs> I'm going to do it. And everyone will be able to recite the joke. It's going to be a whole thing. Burple. Yeah. At the end, her 12th grade year, she's going to go, Mom, stop. Oh, of course she will. She'll do it long before then. Oh, but yeah. then, then it'll come back around, though. When she's getting married, she'll be like, Mom, don't do it at the toes. Don't do it at the toes. <laughs> no, you know what? She'll start crying when I play a video. <laughs> and she'll be like, I love you so much. <laughs> I am funny, Mommy. <laughs> oh, and that's a great it. idea. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm really going to do that. Okay. Who would you like to invite to your dream dinner party? Can they be dead? Yeah. I want Ida B. Wells to be at my dinner party just to hear all her crazy stories of like her fighting for women's rights and fighting for people like me and just justice. And she was doing it while she was a mother, you know, just to see if it's like, are we having these kind of same conversations, you know, about motherhood and balancing work and wanting to do what we want to do as women, you know, moving forward. But her and then also like, I think Barack Obama would be a fun one, too. No, Michelle? Michelle as well. Oh, oh, you're judging me. No, no. She's a no, Michelle. (laughs) Yeah. So you got Ida, Barack, and just yourself. I got Ida. I got Barack. I think Michelle would be like, girl, I want to see this dinner party, too. I don't know. That felt like an intentional omission. No. You said one word. Oh, you got to get me. Clickbait. Clickbait. Tika says she didn't want Michelle and the... No. Michelle could come too. Michelle and the kids. The whole administration. They can all... And it's steak and potatoes. Steak and potatoes and broccoli. Yes. And some apple pie. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. In one word, how would you like to be remembered? I want people to remember me as someone who is kind and loves her friends deeply and her family, loves her daughter, will do anything, will give her life for her daughter. And then just somebody who has always stood up for the little guy, even in high school, like when people were making fun of somebody who they thought wasn't important or deemed a nerd or whatever, like I always talk to that guy or that girl. And then... Somebody who also like changed the world with my art, you know, even if the world is a small segment of people, I did it. You know, she came from somewhere where she wasn't even in the percentage of getting to where she is. And, and then I've actually, um, I got there and she was actually successful because she liked the way she did it. You know, that was success to her, the way she did it and how she did it. Tika, I have no doubt that you will. You're amazing. You (laughs) truly are. You're incredible. Thank you. And like I said, I didn't want to start this off by telling you how beautiful you are, but you really are. You're just, you're a beautiful person inside and out. And truly, you're just incredible. And thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I love you, Tika. Thank you. I love you too. Bye, love. Bye, my love. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey. 
Hey everyone, I would like to introduce you to Lori Gottlieb. Lori is a psychotherapist who writes the Atlantic's Dear Therapist advice column and co-hosts the Dear Therapist podcast. She frequently appears as an expert on mental health topics on the Today Show, Good Morning America, CNN, the BBC, and NPR. If you want to know more about Lori, her books, or are looking for some resources, we'll have all the info on our website. Hi, Lori. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so glad to be here. So we're going to call Holly. Hello. Hi, Holly. It's Anna, and I'm here with Lori Gottlieb. Hi. Holly, will you tell us what's going on? Well, my husband and I have been together for, well, we've been married for 11 years and together for over 12. And even when we were engaged and dating and stuff, it was the same cycle of like, he would be fine life is great. Everything's on the up and up. And then if anything goes wrong, he immediately plunges into this depression. And it's just the same cycle all over and over where he'll be in this funk and you can't get him out of it. And it's bad enough that like he told me recently, he's like, that's why I don't keep a gun in the house because I get that down that stuff. And I don't think he ever really would. Even with our issues, we have a what I think is a pretty good relationship, but I just don't know how to help him if he is not going to get help. He recognizes the fact that he is depressed and that he has issues. And over the years, he's gotten help here and there via our church. And I mean, I grew up being very religious and all that stuff, and I do have faith and I believe in it, but I feel like he needs more, but he is not getting it. It's almost like an alcoholic who acknowledges they have a problem, but won't go to AA. And I just don't know what to do with them. Polly, I just want to tell you that I was with an ex for seven, eight years who suffered from depression and also wouldn't get help. And it was so hard to shoulder. It felt like dating a professional athlete, like, oh, he lost a game. How do I cheer him up? Oh, he won a game. Okay, so we can be happy now. Oh, okay. Like that constant burden of trying to shake somebody's mood was daunting to think about. Lori probably has a a lot of thoughts. (laughs) Yeah, I do. This is such a hard situation. And I want you to know too, that it's very common. And a lot of people feel so much shame that they don't talk about it. So I don't know, Mm -hmm. Holly, if you've shared this with anybody or if this is something that you've just been holding yourself. Actually, I've just recently reached, I guess I would call this my breaking point. When I came across Anna's Instagram story where she said to send in a question, I was like, you know what? It's been rough. And I feel like I have to do something because I, it sounds dramatic, but I feel like I, I don't want to live like this. (laughs) Yeah. That's not dramatic at all. I mean, I think that's the healthy part of you. Yeah. I haven't actually talked to anybody. This is my first time. Yeah. I'm glad you reached out because there's so much secrecy around depression and so much shame around it. And I'm wondering how you and your husband have talked about his depression before when you've said, you know, this is really affecting not only you, but our family. What do those conversations sound like? Honestly, I pretty much don't bring it up because even if I bring it up on a good day, it just sends him spiraling into this. Yes, I know. I'm dirt. I'm horrible. You deserve better. I bring you down. And so I just pretty much don't talk about it when I heard that I was going to get to actually talk to a professional about it. I mentioned it to him and that was the best conversation we've ever had. He's actually like, well, I'm interested to see what she's going to say. And I don't know what was different this time. I'll tell you what was different. What was different is that he really does want to get help. And I think that what happens is, and especially for men in our culture, there is so much shame around being vulnerable. There is so much shame around needing Mm -hmm. help. And there's this idea that it's a weakness to reach out and get help. And so when I see men in my therapy practice, a lot of times they'll say, I've never told anyone this before, because literally they have never told anyone about what they're Mm -hmm. experiencing. Whereas women will say something like, I've never told anyone before, except for my mother, my sister, and my best friend, right? So they've actually told a few people, but men won't do that. And so I think that when he hears you talk about, hey, you know, I see you suffering, what he hears is what he's voiced to you, which is, oh, you know, I'm bringing you down or something's wrong with me or I'm defective. And I think what he heard this time was, oh, wow, I want to work with you on this. I am here for you. Mm -hmm. 
I think that that's really important. And I'm so encouraged by his reaction to the fact that you are reaching out because I think it normalizes it for him a little bit. Mm -hmm. One thing you can talk to him about is you're not bringing it to him because he's bringing you down per se. Mm -hmm. You're bringing it to him because you love him and you care about him and you see how much he suffers. Right. And that it's very common for people to suffer like that, but that he's suffering in silence. And that when you talk about how it affects you and your children, that it's not that you're blaming him or it's not that he's bringing you down. It's that this is something where the health of the whole family is at stake. And if he had like cancer, right? right. You wouldn't just say, yeah, just kind of hang out. Don't see a doctor. Don't, don't get any treatment. Right. You know, I think that if you can bridge that for him, that this is just like any other health issue and it affects you and it affects our family and we love you so much. And I need to know that you're going to get help for this. Just like if you had cancer, I wouldn't sit around and say, okay, don't do anything about it. Right. But that still feels, Lori, like such a difficult bridge. It is, but I think that one of the things that he needs to hear is that you actually have a boundary around this. And having a boundary doesn't mean you're abandoning him. It doesn't mean, you know, you either do this or I'm leaving you. Right. What you're saying is this is not sustainable for you, for me, for our kids. And if anybody in our family had a health issue, we would get help for it. You would want me to get help for it. You would want our kids to get help for it. And I'm saying that you have to, for the sake of our family, get help for this. Sometimes people have a really hard time making that initial appointment. There are so many hoops to jump through. It's like, how do I find someone? Who do I see? I'm really still have all this shame and I'm not sure I really want to go and I'm very ambivalent about it. So one thing you can do is you can call his doctor and say, you know, he's really struggling or he can call his doctor, but if he won't do it, you can say to him, I want to call your doctor mm-hmm. and tell your doctor you're really struggling and get a referral for you. And I'll go with you. Mm-hmm. I'll go with you to the first appointment mm-hmm. just to get over that logistical and emotional hurdle of getting in for that first time. I think once he's in the room, he's going to really be glad he's there. Right. Lori, are there good online resources as well during this time? Yeah, absolutely. And I think this even makes it a little bit easier because you don't have to deal with, do I need to find someone who's within five miles of me, right? You can find somebody who's highly recommended and who really deals with this, who might be somewhere that would be hard to get to ordinarily. And you can see them on Zoom. You know, you can get a referral from his doctor, which I think will help with the buy-in for him because it's somebody recommended by his health professional. Uh But you can also go on Psychology Today and look for people in your area. You can type in depression. You can type in the kind of therapist he wants. Does he want a male therapist or a female therapist? Or how many years of experience does he want them to have? Right. And he can kind of pick and choose who's this person. Remind him that the first session is a consultation. It is not like just because you made the appointment that you have to be in therapy with this person. It's Um, simply, let me go talk to this person and then let me see how I feel. Right. And if I want to talk to this person again, I can talk to this person again, or maybe I feel like that wasn't the right person and I can talk to a different person. Uh Lori, I have a theory about people who work in jobs where there is not a ton of emotional communication, like construction, where you spend all day with communication that's probably directly about the work. I wonder if you are used to a pattern of not being emotionally communicative. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, the environment in which you're operating is going to affect how you feel about what you're experiencing. And if he's in an environment where people just don't talk about their feelings, they just don't Mm -hmm. talk about their struggles, then that's going to be even harder. But I want you to notice something, that when we talk about environment, Holly, The environment in your house is one in which people don't talk about feelings. And I say that just to make you aware that there's a role that you're playing in this dynamic. So you've presented it like, this is what's been going on with him and I'm at wit's end with this. But I think that you've been afraid to really talk to him too. Yeah. You know, and you say, you know, we haven't really talked about it in that way. 
I think the most you've talked about it is, you know, maybe you should get help, but that's not really talking about the feelings underneath it. Right. And so I think that there's something about the relationship that will improve too mm-hmm. when the therapy starts, that it might be that you guys end up doing some couples work together too around, you know, how do we talk about this in our family? How do we talk about other things that maybe I'm afraid to bring up because he doesn't react well to it and I'm very avoidant when that happens? Yeah. Have you noticed that in other parts of your marriage? Yeah. As you talk about it, I'm thinking, yeah, we could definitely improve. (laughs) There's definitely stuff that I don't talk about. Yeah. And do you know why you're afraid to talk about it with him, the other things? Well, again, because I feel like, and I don't like to like bash my husband because I think he is a very good husband in a lot of ways. But I feel like if it is anything remotely critical, whether it's like, how we're doing things with the kids. He defers to me. He knows that I'm the one who's home with them all the time. So he knows that I have a reason for why I'm doing something a certain way. But I kind of want him to take the lead. Sometimes, you know, you'd like him to just take charge, be the dad. But I feel like even with that kind of thing, I have to be careful because if I critique even a little bit, he just shuts down. Yeah. What you're calling a criticism Mm -hmm. is actually just a request. Yeah. So there's a difference between a request and a criticism. Mm -hmm. And I think that something is going on between the two of you where either it's presented in a way that feels critical or he is interpreting it in a way that feels critical. And so once you guys start learning more about how to talk about some of these things that feel really hard, but that will bring you both so much relief, you're going to see not just his depression improve, but also your marriage improve. That's encouraging. That's amazing. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense. It does make sense. Yeah. So when he asks you, you know, how did it go, this call, you can tell him, you know what? I discovered something about myself too, so that he doesn't feel like it's all on him Mm -hmm. because it's not. Right. I discovered something about myself I wasn't expecting to discover. And that's that I feel like maybe I have trouble talking about my feelings too. And maybe this is an opportunity for both of us to get better at understanding ourselves and also how we relate to each other in our marriage so that we can both feel better. Right. Lori, I love how you approach the idea of starting therapy with hope, with like, oh, this is exciting. This is going to be like a fascinating journey. Mm -hmm. I think it's so hopeful because I feel like people are so afraid of uncertainty. They're so afraid of trying something new. They're so afraid of change. But I feel like change and uncertainty are times for opportunity. Because if you don't do that, if you don't venture into this place that feels a little bit scary, you're going to stay in exactly the place that you're in, as you've seen, Holly, for over 11 years. Yeah. And so now there's an opportunity to have something different happen. And I think that's incredibly exciting. When people come to me for therapy, I always ask them, not just why are you here, but I always want to know why now? Why this week, this month did you call me when maybe this has been going on for years? Because I'm looking at not just what's not working, but I'm also looking for signs of strength, right? And one sign of strength is readiness. They're like, I'm ready to see something change. Even if I'm really scared, Mm -hmm. I'm ready to see something change. And I think you're at the point, Holly, where you are ready to see something change. And I think given what your husband said about you're going on this call, I think he's ready to see something change too. I think so. And I know I've referenced this a little bit, but so you know, like where we're coming from, we grew up very, very conservative religious background. And I tell people it was borderline cultish. Both of us have grown up being told that depression is a sin. It's not a real thing. And we don't go to psychologists because you need to just develop your relationship with God and that will solve your problems. And I, I feel like he and I over the past, I would say six years or so have really gotten away from that. And I think that's part of what has gotten us to this point to be ready to acknowledge, you know what, we're learning that a lot of what we grew up with was just crazy talk, you know? Holly, I I grew up in a non-religious household and they felt the same way about therapy. But has his depression increased, do you think, during these times? He kept on saying, I don't think COVID is really slowing down my business. He owns his own remodeling business. But then he did his finances and had to file some paperwork and stuff and realized how much he had not made. He thought that he had done better. And so I do think it has affected him a little bit more than he would realize. 
but overall it hasn't been as bad as it could have been. I think for a lot of people, I think it was worse. And one thing that therapy can help you both do is to weather the storms, weather the emotional storms. I always say to people who are struggling with depression, I say, you are not the best person to talk to you about you right now because depression distorts our thoughts. It makes everything seem all doom and gloom. We can't see anything from a more balanced perspective. And once you start getting treatment for that, you start to see that there are lots of ways to look at a situation, even a very difficult situation, so that you aren't paralyzed by it. That makes really good sense. Yeah. Lori, you are wise. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is the first time I've been so quiet. (laughs) (laughs) Holly, thank you again. You have a, hopefully, a rewarding journey ahead of you guys. If communication can open up, that can be really exciting sometimes. You never know what's going to come out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it's definitely a very good starting point for me, and I appreciate it. Thank you. Holly, I am so excited for you to have this conversation with your husband. I think it's the start of something that's going to be a game changer for your marriage. I really hope so. Thank you very much for your help. Absolutely. Thank you, Holly. Thank you, Lori, so much for your incredible words of wisdom. Oh, my pleasure. I hope that it was helpful. Have a wonderful rest of your day. You too. See you soon. Bye.